want to welcome you, those of you that are watching online this morning, want to welcome you. If you're the first-time visitor this morning, in the seat in front of you, there is a first-time uh, visitor's card. We'd like you to fill that out, bring it to a welcome center. The welcome center, we have a gift for you. Can we welcome our first-time guests this morning? God bless you. God bless you. We welcome you. Amen. This morning, Pastor Lisa is going to minister the word. Can you give a great big welcome? To Pastor Lisa as she comes, amen. What a blessing she was to me while I was sick. She treated her pastor so well. I knew I was getting better, not when the symptoms were subsiding, but when she stopped waiting on me hand and foot. No, I'm just kidding. She there every step of the way. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Love you. know if God's mercy was more for me keeping me from getting that sick or for him so that I could take care of him but it was both I guess yes God really did have mercy on us and I still continue to get texts and calls from friends all over the place saying I can't believe you did not get COVID being in that house with him but I didn't so I'm healthy I've been healthy and um, I thank God for that God is always good, and so I want to talk to you this morning about a message that the Lord put on my heart, actually in my own personal prayer time this past week on Monday morning, or two, chapter 6, if you can turn there, verses 9 to 22. I've called this brief message, there's something about Noah. There's something about Noah, Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both, both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long. 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Everything. Right. 
make note, not everything the way he wanted to, but everything just as God commanded him. There's a lot in that little verse right there. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now, if you know anything about the ark that Noah built, it was quite a magnificent creation. It was higher than a four-story house. It was nearly one and a half football fields long. The storage capacity was about 450 semi-trailers, and it was made of three point, this blew my mind, 3.1 million board feet of timber. Now you think this project out here is a lot, Pastor Richard. I don't think we're going to use 3.1 million board feet of timber. It was an amazing ark. But look back at 22 again. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. We have a difficult time in our lives today doing the simplest thing God asks us to do. But here's Noah. He did everything. It took about 50 to 80 years to build. There are a lot of different commentators, some that actually believe it took 120, but most concur that it took 50 to 80 years to build that ark. So that's 50 to 80 years of Noah doing everything that God commanded him to do. I was talking about this with my husband. We've been doing our best to do everything that God has asked us to do for 32 years. Imagine building an ark 50 to 80 years along with the ridicule of everyone that's around you. Three levels. Noah and his family lived on the top level. The middle level was for the animals, and the lower level, I don't know if you can guess this one, was for all the waste. So we can imagine how much work it is keeping this church clean, let alone an ark with a lot of animals that needed to use the restroom. <laughs> and so we don't know if they continually put it overboard out the one window because they couldn't open the door or if that piled up while they were in that ark for 365 days. But it was an interesting situation that Noah found himself in, but he did everything as the Lord commanded him. We've probably all heard the phrase, there's something about so-and-so. There's just something about Sally. There's something about John. There's something different about them. You know, we hear that phrase, and as I was reading the scripture, again, in my own prayer time, I wasn't looking into the word to find a word for today. I was spending my time with my father in my morning time. And I'm starting the, the word over in the, the Bible over in the book of Genesis right now. That's where I'm at. And when I read this scripture, I just stopped and I thought, there's something about Noah. What was it about Noah that God chose him? There's something about Noah that God noticed. How would we react if one day God told us that he was going to destroy all of the people and all of the creation that he had created? I think we would be pretty shocked and sometimes we read this story, and if you haven't really read it, go back and read it again. It's not just a fairy tale. 
It's not just a story that, that's a cute little illustrated story and, you know, the first one in our book of children's tales. This happened. Noah was a real man. And I'm sure he was shocked. This is what he faced. And he felt the emotions. He had physical trials. He had hurtful words and actions that went along with the task that God commanded him to perform. Sometimes, if not most times, what God asks of us isn't easy. That's why Noah's story has some profound, profound, simple, but profound lessons that we can learn even today. Verse 9 says he was a just man. He was blameless among the people. Noah faithfully walked with God. There's something about Noah that God could choose him with those very specific dimensions of that ark. That God could trust him with making sure his creation was loaded into the ark the way that he commanded Noah. Why Noah? What set him apart? We are not told Noah's exact day-to-day -day schedule of life, but there had to be some things that were part of Noah's life to make him ready that when God said, go, he went. He didn't have to say, let me pray about it. And I'm not adverse to praying for things. I am a prayer woman of prayer. I understand prayer. I understand the power of prayer. I understand sometimes the complete exhaustion of prayer. But I understand that it's a, it, it's a tool that God has given us and we use it. But there are times that we need to be ready when God says go. We are so prayed up and so walking faithfully with God daily that when he says go, we don't go, what? You must have meant that for someone else or not me, God. I'm not ready for that. Or, oh, I just can't do that. No, we know immediately this is what we've trained for. You know, these Olympians and Paralympians that have gone to the Olympics, they don't get there and go, oh, my word, I didn't know I was going to have to do that. They have prepared for those Olympics. They have prepared. They are ready. And they say, this is what we've prepared for. This is what we're ready for. And as men and women of God, we need to say, this is what I have prepared for, God. I will go send me. And I believe that is one thing that set Noah apart. Isaiah 6, 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, who shall I send and who will go for us? Then what did Isaiah say? Oh, God, let me go pray about it. Imagine telling God, the one that we pray to, let me go pray about what you've asked me to do. That sounds so ridiculous. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Because he knew this is what I've trained for. Noah was ready because he walked faithfully with God. So let's look at some of these things. One thing that we can learn, Noah was not concerned with what others thought. Or in a less polite way, he could care or he couldn't care less what other people thought about him. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Are you fearing man? It is going to be a snare unto you. It is going to stop what God wants to do in your life, and you're too concerned about what other people think. Haters gonna hate. 
If you know me for more than a year or two, you know I love bitmojis. I think in bitmojis. It's the character that you can create to look as much like you as possible. And sometimes I'm having a conversation with someone and my mind begins to go, I mean face-to-face, not even texting. I'm face-to-face and my mind goes to bitmoji mode. I'm like, I just want to put a bitmoji and show it to them because it, it's, so self, it's so explanatory. And now they have bitmojis that you can, you can add your own words to it. So it's not a ready-made bitmoji. The, the app will make a bitmoji with your name. Some of you I've texted personal. I put your names in it. So I just love bitmojis. They're so descriptive. I don't even know why I said all that. I just, what I need to do is when I have a thought, tell you why I have the thought, to tie it in and then tell you the thought. But anyway, I do think in bitmojis, so it's kind of a cool thing to do. Oh, I know why, because there's a bitmoji that says, haters gonna hate. Haters are going to hate you. I have news for you. If you want to do anything for God that is worth anything, you will have people that want to hold you back. They want to be jealous of you. They want to talk about you. They want to hate. Haters going to hate. Listen, it is what it is. But don't fear man. And don't be so concerned with man or woman or people that you're going to just abort the plan of God in your life. Don't fear man. And I think about Noah day in and day out, whether it was 50 or 80 years, that's still an awful lot of years, to be hearing the ridicule of people. Noah, what in the world are you doing? Who do you think you are? Why would God choose you, Noah? And the ridicule. No matter what we try to tell ourselves, a part of each one of us wants to feel accepted. And if you say that's not true about me, then you're lying. Because we have that innate need to be accepted. But that's why we go back to the scripture that says the fear of man will prove a snare. Because it's not what man thinks that matters. It's what God thinks. We want to relate to others and live like others. We want to feel normal. What's normal? Drinking because people drink? What's normal? Gossiping in the workplace because everybody else does? What's normal? Partying just because everybody else does? We want to feel normal, but does that mean it's right and acceptable in the sight of God? You know, we think today, we live in such a time of corruption, and sin is so rampant. Think about Noah. Wait a minute. Remember, God told Noah, I'm going to destroy my creation because there's so much sin. How we live in in the world today is not so much different as the time of Noah, as the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's times of sin, but we need to be set apart. And Noah was set apart. He didn't give in to the corruption and sin. He was seen as different by other people. We need to be seen as different by other people. If we're not seen as different, how are we going to draw people in? If we call ourselves Christians, but we live like the world, and we're not different, then when the people in the world that don't know Christ have needs, they're not going to come and ask us because we live the same as them. We need to be, we're supposed to be different. The word says we should be a peculiar generation. I'm not saying walk around and look like a weirdo 
and act weird, but we are supposed to be peculiar. That means different. It doesn't mean weird. It means different. It means people should look at us like they looked at Noah and thought there's something different about him. And some of those people will not like it. Outside of the church and inside of the church, there will be people that do not like it. But we cannot let the fear of man prove a snare. Opposition does not mean that we are doing things wrong. Opposition often is evidence that we are doing things right. Noah didn't find favor in the eyes of men. They hated him. They persecuted him. Because by both his life and his preaching, he condemned the world. His life spoke for itself. And if we are different and we are not fearful of man and we don't care what other people think, our lives will be different. When the rest of the world was wicked, Noah kept his integrity. It is not easy to keep integrity in the world that we live in. But I can tell you, Jesus can help you keep integrity. The Holy Spirit, when you invite him into your life every single day, Day. I know many of you, we have talked about this, we have talked about the importance of our time with God, one-on-one with some of you here today, and we value that time with God. We know that if we don't get up and have that time with God and make it a priority, our life will suffer. That's not, that's not speaking negatively. Speak positive. Well, I, you can speak positive over your life all you want and speak destiny over your life all you want. But if you're not spending time with God in your personal life, you are wasting your breath. You've got to have, I've got to have that time with God. And I believe Noah had that time. There was something about Noah. Lesson two, be faithful to God. Noah set himself apart by being faithful to God and not giving into sins. The task of building an ark that could house the wide variety of animals Noah had to save was not going to be easy. God needed someone who was faithful enough to get through the hard times when things weren't necessarily clear. I wish that I could stand here and tell you, but I am learning from experience in my own life, sometimes life is extremely foggy. It's so dense, you can't see your hand in front of you. God needed someone who could listen to his voice and follow his, this is important, and follow his direction. Listen, because we can't see, but we can listen. God has given us eyes, but he's given us ears. And when we cannot see, what that means down the road, what God means by build an ark that's three layers and all the dimensions that he was giving him. God gave him those dimensions. We can hear. We listen to the Lord. And how do you develop an ear for the Lord? Spending time with him. There's no shortcut. You can go to conferences. You can read all self-help books on how to hear the voice of God. But if you don't practice it, literally, Sometimes my husband and I, we read the word, in the, well, we read the word every morning, but sometimes we'll read it and just maybe sit and listen. You know, don't just read your three chapters, shut the Bible, pray for a minute, and go. What is that? Communication with God is two-way. It's, that's exactly what communication is. And I believe Noah had those times with God where God would speak to him. So that when God said, build an ark, 
No one knew that he knew that he knew that was the voice of God. He recognized it. The word says, my sheep hear my voice. They know it and they follow it. So when we can't see, when it's too foggy, you know, maybe you've been down on the ocean on the beach sometimes and the fog starts coming in and you can't see the sailboats anymore. You can't see the rocks out there anymore because the fog has come in from the water, but they're still there. You can still hear the lighthouse going off. The, 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 the boat, uh, not the lighthouse, the, the, the boat, what's that sound that the boat makes? The horn going off. So even if we can't see, we can learn how to hear the voice of God. So to be faithful following him. A missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red, in red ink and mark the page it was on so that she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so she followed the woman. In the afternoon, just before school let out, the woman made her way to the front school door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. When he said yes, she would open the Bible and ask him to read the verse that was marked in red ink. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And she would proceed to tell him about Christ. The missionary said that 24 of the school boys that lady led to the Lord became pastors. Now we look at that and we think it seems like such a small thing. She was blind. She couldn't do that much. So she said, okay, what can I do? And she went and she ministered Christ to these schoolboys. And 25, 24 at least became pastors. You don't realize sometimes what you think is a little calling of God, you have no idea the magnitude and the effect that it can have on other people that you really may never even know about. Be obedient in what you think is small, and God will open up the doors as he finds you faithful. We have seen that in the lives of so many people over the years in ministry. When they're faithful with little, God gives much. If they're not faithful in little, God will not continue to give. We've got to be faithful. It, faithful in the little opens the door for God to give you much. What about when people aren't looking or do you think that they don't notice? Are you being faithful? Because it matters. There are so many ministries that go on here at Victory, and some of the people involved might never be seen by any of you just due to the nature of what they're doing for ministry. We were commenting the other day, you know, we've done the wing, uh, the, the nursery wing over down there, the floors and the walls, and if you don't have children or nursery age, you don't even know what that looks like. Take, take a stroll down there. Go look down there, see the floors and the walls and see all that we've done. But here's the thing, the nursery workers, you might never see the ministry that they're doing, but it's big because it allows you, thank you so much, Grace, it allows us to be in a sanctuary with some order. So those things that we do for God behind the scenes are important. A young preacher once approached Dr. F.B. Meyer, We've read his books, 
commentaries and asked how he could one day become as influential and well-known as Dr. Meyer. Dr. Meyer responded to him, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Lesson number three, trust in God to guide you. Job 23.10 says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. No matter what season you are in, let me, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Noah trusted God to guide him. It's not just like Noah said, God said, okay, Noah, go build this giant boat. And then left him to his own devices to figure it out. God will never, ever call you to do one thing without explaining and helping and leading and guiding along the way what it is that you need to do to get that job done. In our lives, God gives us directions and guidance too. We have Bibles. We have pastors. We have parents. We have conferences. We have classes. We have books written by great men and women of God. And more than and more that all, and more, that all speak to us about our faith and our decisions. We cannot say, well, there's no way for me, to, for me to do this because I don't know how to do it. There are plenty of ways that God speaks to us. Then just look ahead briefly to in, in chapter 7, verse 1. And this goes along with God guiding us. So it's a little bit uh, a chapter ahead. But then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark and all of your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Okay. I don't know if you noticed the first part of that verse, so I'm going to say it again. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? If someone says to you, Come on the platform. It means he's already there. God was already in the ark. God was already in the ark. God will not ask you to go anywhere that he's not already there. When seasons knock you down in your life and the tsunami wave comes and you feel like you cannot breathe another breath, you can rest assured God was already there waiting to bring you in and then bring you out. He doesn't just say, go there. He calls us through and that is such a comfort. And I'm sure it was for Noah when he heard the voice of God say, okay, Noah, everything's complete. Come on in. God was already there waiting for him. He doesn't ask you to go anywhere that he isn't already there. Whatever he's asking of you, he's there. God will provide for us. He will give us everything we need to fulfill our purpose in him. Are you trusting him? We have to be listening to be able to hear his guidance. In the world of technology, there is a development called hypersonic sound. 
the inventor has engineered sound waves to travel like a laser beam for about 150 yards. This allows sounds to be heard by a person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around them. You could be listening to music or specific instructions while those standing next to you would be left in total silence. If you move out of that tightly formed path of the unique sound waves, you too will be unaware of any noise. God's communication with us is very similar to these sound waves. We must be in the right place at the right time to hear the Holy Spirit. And when we're there, the message is clear. If we move away from the pathway of his voice, we become unaware of the fact that he is communicating with us and we will consequently miss the message. God is always trying to communicate. If we have our ears open, we will hear God. We've got to stay in that communication. And I believe Noah stayed in that place of communication, not only to God, but from God, listening to God. It really is a supernatural thing to have God speak to us, yet it's normal because he wants to. He created us to be in relationship with him. So sometimes, you know, I have a very, very close friend. And when she tells me about her conversations with the Lord, she will speak in such a way that sometimes she doesn't even use God or Jesus. She'll just say, and then all of a sudden he told me, and I'm like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Who? What? what who's she talking about? And she's just talking about the Lord. The Lord will just, you know, she just had this, she, she had this situation where she, um, had some things in a storage bin, and she went and checked the, some stuff out, and then she drove off, and if she's, as she's leaving the, the compound or whatever where the storage bins are, she, she was telling me the story, and she said, yeah, I was leaving, and all of a sudden, I, heard, I heard, just heard this voice say, do you want to go back and shut the door? Now, I thought she thought like the attendant was telling her, like somebody knocked on her window, lady, you left the door to your bin open. So I'm like, oh, who was that? She said, well, Jesus. The Holy Spirit just spoke to her. And if not, the door would have been open and all of her stuff would have been stolen. So, I mean, God wants to speak to us. And sometimes she's telling me all these things and I'm like, okay, God, can you stop talking to her to talk to me? But he wants to, on a daily basis, protect us with his communication. And so I believe Noah was in a place of communication with God. And the last lesson, there are so many, but this is the last one I'm going to talk about today. Take your strength from God. Noah took his strength from God. He did not take it from the people around him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, to us that makes literally no sense. But in God's economy, in essence, what it, that is saying is, the weaker you feel, the weaker I feel, if my reliance and dependence is upon God, then that means he fills me with strength, his strength. Our strength wanes. It does. It disappears. We feel we get at the end of the rope. 
We can't take another minute of the stress, of the life, of the toil, of the straining, of, of, of whatever it is that's going on in your lives. But yet here's God telling us, the weaker you are, the stronger I am. And so I don't like being weak. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like being weak. I don't like the feeling of vulnerability. I don't like just being weak. But I've learned the beauty of being weak, surrendering it to God, and allowing him to fill me with strength. If you have not experienced that in your life, you can. It's as simple as saying, God, I am weak. I need your strength to fill me. Noah took his strength from God. We all have doubts we face when we're living our, our lives for God. All of us, all of us, every single one of the staff and pastoral staff and every single one in this church, we all do. It's normal. Sometimes people try to talk us out of what we're doing for God. Sometimes when, when my husband and I talk about traveling to Africa and we are just so asking God to open the door for travel to open again, but I have well-meaning people, why do you want to go to Africa? Why do you want to go there? Some of the places are dangerous. You really feel you should go? I can't listen to that. I have to listen to God. I have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Where he asked me to go, he's there already. Sometimes things get really rough, and we seem to run out of willpower. Sometimes we do want to give up. Sometimes we want to cry out to God and ask him why. Sometimes we come, become so weak in our hearts and minds that we don't think we can go on for one more day. Noah had those times too. He was as human as you and I, but he persevered and he remained focused on the plan, focused on the call, focused on what God asked him to do, no matter how daunting, and I'm sure it was pretty daunting to receive the dimensions and the specifics of how he had to build that. That had to be daunting, but he took his strength from God. And because of it, his family made it to safety. God was the one that provided Noah with strength to overcome all of his critics and all of his difficulties. And he can do the same for us. <clears throat> what is the first thing? Now we're looking ahead to Genesis 8, verse 20. What's the first thing Noah did when they got out of that boat after 365 days of floating? Look at chapter 8, verse 20. Noah built an offering and offered a burnt offering. In other words, in the today's vernacular, Noah went to church. Come on, Noah went to church. Noah had church. Noah said, I am going to give God praise. First of all, for getting me off that boat. You know, my, my longest flight, I think, has been 14 hours for Israel. One flight direct. Oh, get me off this plane. Some of you have traveled internationally. You understand 10, 12, 14-hour flights, and you just want to get off this plane. But imagine Noah, he was on that boat, the three layers, the smells, the dirt, the, the, the waste for all that time. But the first thing he did when he got off is give 
God praise. And I'm sure he was giving God praise the whole time he was on that boat too. And we've talked about that, giving God praise through the storm. When you come before God and you offer your praise and worship to him, even in the middle of your suffering, verse 21 says, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Soothing aroma went up to the Lord. Through your questions, worship. Through your disappointment, worship. Through your betrayal, worship. Through your heartache, worship. Through your confusion, worship. Through the fogginess of life, worship. Worship, worship, worship. It is a key to getting from here to there. Sometimes people say, well, we just want to get through this. I don't really want to just get through things. There are days that, yeah, I get it. I'm just about getting through the day, but I want to come out victoriously. My husband and I were listening to a, a, a sermon last night because we understand that it's important to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so we were listening to a good sermon. And one of the points was plan for the victory. I love that. Plan for the victory. What you see, I don't see victory. But I'm going to plan for the victory, Sister Ruth, aren't we? We're going to plan for the victory. We are going to look forward to the victory. We are going to speak about the victory. Noah, I'm sure, had his times of feeling defeat, but he gave God praise and he gave God glory before the boat, building the boat, on the boat, and we, when he got off the boat. And I want to leave that with you this morning. No matter what is going on in our lives, we've got to continue to worship, to stay faithful, to be listening for God, to be faithful before him, even when we don't think anybody else sees us, and to give him praise and worship. We love you guys. We want to see God's plan in your life. We want to see you strengthened and encouraged and just going forward with what God has for you. So I just trust that you'll take these thoughts home today and you'll say to yourself that you'll say, okay, I want people to say, there's something about Cheyenne. There's something about Daniel. There's something about John. And they'll know that it's God. Amen.